0: Well, good evening, everybody, and welcome back to Live Longer, the podcast as we get going again with season three, The Art of Survival. And this is a really important season. And the last two episodes, we focused on the war in Ukraine and medical efforts to help the Ukrainian people. But today we're shifting focus and we're shifting it to a very inspirational story because I'm really interested in the art of survival if you're in the forces and then what happens when you come out of the forces. So it's about surviving inside and then what happens outside. And more importantly, how do ex forces, military individuals, not just survive, but thrive on exit? And a very good friend of mine, someone I look up to and I think is really, really inspirational, has agreed to come on the show tonight and share his story. And he is a former Royal Marines Commando. And he'll tell us a little bit about that, of course. He was based in Poole with the Special Boat Service and he was attached to the Special Forces and had a number of tours to Afghanistan. So he has an incredible story to tell and I think exhibits the features of the Commando spirit to this day, which are determination, courage, unselfishness and cheerfulness in the face of adversity. And also, might I say, the commando values of excellence, integrity, self-discipline and indeed humility. So join me in a very warm welcome of my friend, Ashley Paulson. Ashley, welcome.
1: Hi, nice to be here.
0: Yeah, well, thank you. Thank you for giving up your evening to come and talk to me. I appreciate it. And as I said in the intro, I mean, you've had an, an amazing journey, but it hasn't always been easy. In fact, it's been very difficult and I thought we would start, maybe take you through uh, from before you joined the Marines, joining, transitioning out the last five years, because not all has been rosy, and, and then plans for the future and what you're doing now. Does that sound like a good plan?
1: Yeah, Cool. Sounds perfect.
0: Good. Well, look, tell us a little bit, Ash, where are you from and, and where, where where were the where were you born and what started all this? <laughs> had you got a military background <laughs> or who inspired you?
1: I mean, well, I'm from, originally I'm from uh, Lincolnshire,
0: mm-hmm.
1: very sort of rural area, quiet, sleepy town. Yeah, I never really had any inspiration to join the military. It was, it was only until I, I, I actually dated a girl who was in the RAF mm. and uh, a community that she had with her colleagues that that made me think that's the sort of sort of environment I would like to be in. It seemed like a very family orientated environment, which I never really, never really experienced. So I, I had a, a very loving mother, love her to this day. Um, and I had a father who I was never really a father, was never really around. No, no brothers, no sisters. So, yeah, I, I I sort of lacked that family environment. And think that was what attracted me mainly to the military. So, yeah, it's, uh, <clears throat> it, was, it was very appealing. I did think about joining the RAF. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I, I actually got chatting to a, a Marine at the careers office. I'm very competitive as it is. And I thought, if I'm going to give this a go, I might as well give it a, my best shot. And um, yeah, I applied for the Marines. <laughs> Weirdly, uh, I I saw my father two days before I, uh, sorry, two weeks before I was joining. I hadn't seen him in probably two or three years, and uh, he asked me what I was doing with my life. And I said, "Oh, I'm I'm uh, I'm actually going into the Royal Marines in two weeks' time." And he proceeded to laugh in my face <laughs> and said, "You won't last five minutes." So well, you proved him wrong. I wasn't. Well yes, yeah. I mean, I didn't just do it to prove him wrong, but it was it was definitely a, a motivator. Something played in the back of your mind through the hard times when you're freezing cold or physically emotionally exhausted and and it's it's just little things like that that will that give you that edge to to get through it. You know, you have to have a motivation and that that was that was a slight motivator, but but yeah, really Every little helps in those situations.
0: Do you think you were motivated also to, you know, do something that would make your mum so proud of you?
1: Yeah, if, if I've, I've, making my mum proud was was one thing I always wanted to do.
0: Hmm.
1: And I feel I feel like I've achieved that within that. But, I, you know, it must have been horrible for her at times. Yeah, she was proud of what I was doing, but the emotional stress that she had to go through when I went away to Afghan and must have been awful for her. You know, it's a, it's a double edged sword, really.
0: It is. And one of my guests who was a very close friend and it very sadly passed away shortly after I interviewed her, Sarah Stenning, her husband um, was in the military and she articulates when he took his platoon to, I think it was Iraq. Um, and how she was left with the military wives, and no matter how senior or junior your husband, your brother, your son is, it's really, really hard. And so I'm sure the emotions that she talked about were what your mum felt, and and probably never wants to articulate to you because didn't want to worry you when you were on tour. Do you think she kept a lot of that to herself, her worries?
1: Oh, with yeah, without doubt. As much as I'm very close with her, it's, we. We never really talked on an emotional level that, at that sort of stage. Maybe it was too hard for her to speak openly and honest. Maybe she didn't want to burden me with her stresses while I was in such a hostile environment. But um, whatever it is, you know, she's whatever goes on, she's always there. She's always been there. And, yeah, I mean, she's incredibly proud of me. And I think, I think she's quite glad that I've, Done what I did, and 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 now moved on to other things,
0: and mm, which we're going to come on to in a minute. But first of all, I think I wanted to kind of explore about your life in the Marines, and just I mean I don't don't know much about life in service. Okay, I'm, I'm I have had a life in service to the public in a different way through medicine, but I think a life in in the military and it is is quite foreign to me. So. What did you have to do to get into the Marines and pass the rigorous eighth month training programme? I mean, you know, was it mainly physical? Was it mental stamina? Was it agility? You know, how did you pass? What did you have to do? <laughs>
1: <laughs> All of the above, really. I mean, I don't ever think I was fully prepared. And, uh, you know, I I joined, I, I was going in there blind, really. I, I love the idea of it. But actually the reality of it I, I would never have been ready for which i don't i think that, that i don't think anyone will be unless you've been through that you you wouldn't know what it's like i remember turning up on my first day and it was just sort of like the shock of capture your head shaved straight into a a block a, a big room just a bed locker bed locker bed locker uh, given all your kit you know taught how to wash clean yourself, iron, you know, the, basically going back to basics, which is understandable. Some some guys there, you know, are, are 30 years old. Some guys are 16 years old. Some guys have, have got their own houses. Some guys have not even learned to drive. So you've got... A, How old
0: were you, Ash? Sorry to interrupt you. How old were
1: you? I was 20 years old. Yeah, I was uh, 20 years old. Uh, 23rd of July hmm. uh, is when I joined. Um, and it was... Yeah, very much the shock of capture, and to say uh, I didn't love it would be—you know—I've I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's some of the hardest times I've ever been through. It. emotionally, physically—you know—I've seen guys just break out into tears over the smallest things because you're just you're just on a knife edge. Whether that be through physical exhaustion, mental exhaustion—it's—it's uh, it's just a, its a whole roller coaster of emotions going through it. And this is where you build such strong bonds with the people around you this is where your brotherhood comes from mm-hmm. and to this day obviously I, st- I still speak to the people I was in training with and we've all led on to very very different lives but we have this great connection because we've been through something that very few people will ever go through in their life mm-hmm. um and you know I think we started with 53 original people in our troop and we ended up with 10. So,
0: Wow. And these people were lost in battle, presumably.
1: No, no, sorry. No, no, no. This, this was it. In- oh, they just dropped out. Oh, I see. Yeah.
0: I see. Oh, gosh. So very rigorous. So you have to attain a very high standard, which I'm not surprised about, given all you've achieved. And we'll talk about later that you, you know, obviously um, were striving for excellence. And you, you said earlier on that you're very competitive. Well, it's good to be competitive. It's a very necessary... Attribute to getting through.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think I think I was a very competitive, but you learn so much more about yourself. When I when I joined, I was I was very selfish as a person. I was, you know, I didn't really care about anyone but myself. I but I wasn't punctual at all. I didn't have much self-discipline, uh, not even a massive like hygiene. And and these were all things that along the way in that 8 months Are drilled into you, and you grow so much as a person. It it, it is an absolute life changer, but you have to be able to grow as a person and be able to take the physical, emotional (laughs) battering that you get, essentially. But you know, and I'm when you when I look back at it, though, I'm glad it was that hard because you're you're aspiring to a standard, Mm -hmm. and you have standards, and uh, this is what the Royal Marines is all about. You either meet the standard or you don't, and and that's what I really loved about it. It was that's what pushed me. Is I did not want to ever be below standard. So, although I was better at some things than I was others, I I always strive to be the best at what uh, I could be at it.
0: And do you think you've carried forward that training into your life, or is it something that you are trained and you have those attributes whilst you're in the Marines to survive? But you know, you forget all about them, or, or is it really deeply ingrained? Because you are probably, you know, you're young at twenty, but if you're thirty joining, maybe you can't change your
1: ways. It's probably like, uh, yeah, having bad habits of driving a car or something. You know, you soon have these habit, bad habits weaned out, but. It's definitely something I've I've taken with me. My uh, I'm very much a, a tidy, clean person. Now I, I was going to use the word clean freak, but uh, maybe a
0: <laughs> OCD,
1: maybe. I'm <laughs> borderline, borderline. Yeah, but just you know, things like making your bed. The first thing it's the first thing I do when I get out. Get up in the morning, get out of bed, make my bed, and and then have a shower, and then go make breakfast. Um, and this is things that you you take with you self-discipline and and um, you know and and punctuality are, are massive to me and those are things that I've taken with me and and people say oh well you know this is because you were in the marines yeah good like I'm gone glad <laughs> some people find it strange mm. um, I I can't understand people who get up in the morning and just leave their bed the way it is and they say well I'm going to get back in it later <laughs>
0: But this discipline is very important in life because it's translated to your food, to your um, fitness and also to paying attention to the small details, which actually make a difference between somebody being excellent and just average at their their job.
1: Yeah. Yeah. um, Yeah. And it it is. There's a lot of fine details and that some people that is some people see them as irrelevant. Um, but if you're actually if you're actually committed, then you, these these the small details are the relevant details to progress further in life.
0: I, I agree with that. I agree with that. But listening to you talking so passionately um about joining the Marines and being in it and all that it had to offer you and you got to go on two tours, I'm just so surprised that you left after seven years. What what made you leave?
1: I mean, I I loved I loved the job I did. Um I loved the people around me. And I hate to say it, but it was it was money orientated. You know, a lot of a lot of guys are leaving, earning good money doing personal security after other things, having massive amounts of freedom. And you just think, okay. And your sort of pri- your priorities change as you get older in that environment. Mm-hmm. Where you know, when I first did my first tour of Afghanistan, um, I remember my paycheck was. And this was with with what they call danger pay it was about 1300 pound a month 1400 pound a month mm-hmm. it really is a bit of an embarrassment to be on the front line um getting paid such a little amount
0: mm-hmm.
1: obviously that increases over time but but when you get to a certain age and a certain point you you have you prioritize other things you know you you want to be able to maybe you know provide for your family or or, or get a house or get a nice car or and and maybe not have the risk. You know, I, I, as much as I love the job, I, in all honesty, on my, my first tour of Afghanistan, I thought I was indestructible. Uh, you know, uh, we were going into section attacks or, or um, you know, kicking in doors and, and, and the, the fear wasn't there. And then, unfortunately, things happen. You, you know, incidents happen and, and you... You gain or, you, you know, the fear grows inside you. You think, oh, God, that that could have been me. And then the, the, as time goes on, it, it, it does get a hold of you a little bit. And, and in all honesty, maybe by that point, I wouldn't have wanted to do another tour.
0: Yeah. So then you wouldn't have been the, the best that you could be. And knowing your competitive spirit, that would go against your grain.
1: Yeah, because I wouldn't have been as effective as what uh, somebody who had full confidence in themselves or
0: mm.
1: I can guess in yourself at some point. And, and it was it was something that I probably never would have admitted at the time because it would have showed me as a weak character in that environment. Mm-hmm. But actually looking back now, it was it was the right decision for me to just say, no, that's that's enough.
0: Well, it takes courage to have such deep insight, if I might say. I mean, there's courage on the battlefield, but there's also courage to get to know yourself and know what you want from life. And, you know, you gave your service and now you can serve your family and your friends and the community in different ways, which we'll come to. But first of all, I wanted to ask you, you know, when you came out, like you had such a rigorous training getting in. So presumably there was a a very stringent program getting you ready train for life because life would have stopped, you know, for that period of seven years that you were on tour and things move on and, you know, digital world takes off, et cetera. So tell me a little bit about the training or the preparation you had for leaving the Marines.
1: Well, uh, unfortunately, the 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 preparation for leaving the Marines wasn't uh, slightly non-existent. There are avenues for um, credited learning, um, but the, but it's not so much encouraged. It's it's at your own will. It's sort of if you want to do it, if you want to do this. But most people who are leaving have a job to walk into. Hmm. But sometimes the, you know that that they because you're so naive to the outside world. You know a lot of people are joined at sixteen. They don't have a they don't have obviously I joined a little bit later, but didn't have much knowledge of the the world outside of the Marines and it, what it, i ideally would have wanted somebody to sit me down and say yeah you're walking into this great job but why don't you just go and, and do a backup just in case or you know and where are you going to live and you know how are you going to support this or have you thought about what's going to happen when you leave none of these questions were asked me and, the, and, and i do i do have to say it isn't probably Nine years ago now since I left. So this may have changed, but I, but I, I very much doubt it.
0: Because mm, there's amazing, I've been doing a little bit of research in preparation for our chat, and there's very, very good, the Royal Marine Association are affiliated to the Royal Marines Charity, and they've raised a huge amount of money, which they've deployed to people who get into trouble from post-traumatic stress, depression, addiction, unemployment, marital breakdown, or sadly bereavement for their families. So it seems like there's an amazing safety net if you reach the bottom. But, you know, and I know that you'll probably tell us that you had some dark days, but there isn't anything to prevent people from reaching the bottom. Maybe I'm being naive and I've missed the point, but it seems like you've got the training in the Marines then you decide to leave you have life skills but you don't know how to deploy them and then if you get into trouble there's an amazing safety net with the charities and there's something missing in between am i right in thinking that
1: yeah i would say so i mean uh, the pre- the prevention is better than the cure you know if 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 the if the safety nets were put out to start with just to be sure but i mean um, a lot of lads sort of it's it's a very masculine environment in the marines which is which is good for, you know, good for men. <laughs> men, yeah, yeah, for a group of men who are, who are doing the job that they do to have a masculine environment and and be men around each other. Mm-hmm. But it's, then it's, there's a lack of vulnerability there. So nobody wants to be vulnerable. Nobody wants to be the weak link. Nobody wants to say, you know what, I'm I'm actually having a bad day, or I'm actually really struggling with this, because they think they'll in their in their head. I think they'll think they'll be ridiculed. for them. Mm-hmm. i remember the end of my first tour the the ptsd part of it you had oh what's it called uh basically you stop at you stop at cyprus on the way home from afghanistan mm-hmm. for two nights debrief mm-hmm. you know it, yeah in a in an enclosed space and they just say okay right you're you're gonna get drunk tonight and just enjoy each other's company and it, it, uh decompression that's it you know, it's helpful because you you know you have a few drinks, uh, but it's there's still that when nobody wants to nobody actually wants to come around and go, oh mate, actually I'm I'm really scared of coming back because uh, you know I've, I'm having these dreams or I'm 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 worried about the way I feel and and that's what needs to be addressed. Is is I remember walking into an office and and just sitting down and being asked if I was okay. Hmm. yeah I'm okay but were you okay
0: were you Ash
1: um at that point um I think I was I think I was all right at that point um I was I was very much in control uh it was later on when I came out and involved substances and drinking um that that my mental health really suffered I think I had a strong mental... Hold on things until until that point, yeah.
0: But do you think that maybe your strength mentally wasn't as great as you think, which is why you started, you know, resorting to substances, etc. And we're in denial.
1: I think I think being surrounded by by the guys, by being in that group of guys, it it softens every softens the blow of it. I mean, it's um, it's a way of dealing with it because you're with everyone Mm -hmm. and you're. You're occupied. I think that the the problem is when you come out, and and you're left to your own devices, surrounded by civilians who haven't been through what you've been through, and you you can't talk to them the way that you could talk to other marines.
0: So what you're saying is that you you're feeling vulnerable and you can't talk to your mates, but also you can't really talk to civilians because they you know have a shared experience. So there really is something missing in between, you know being able to talk to somebody or having somebody like you being an ambassador for somebody thinking of coming out of the marines to talk
1: to yeah there needs to be in my eyes an avenue to to go down of 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 just thinking okay but i i I do actually agree with that this may have changed slightly I, i i do agree that social media is as much as it can be the devil at points is opening people's eyes to mental health awareness and especially suicide rates with men and, uh, and stuff like this. And and people are more accepted for, for saying how they feel.
0: Mm. And you said you lost more friends to suicide than you did on the battlefield. Is that right?
1: I, I definitely... More, lost more friends um to suicide yeah than than on the battle uh, on the battlefield
0: I mean that's an incredible it's it's tragic whereas when you look up through the office of national statistics for the death rates of military um servicemen in the military it's much lower than suicide death rates um of the general public although there has been a slight rise in the army in the last five years but it it's harder to get the data for former military individuals because maybe it's five, ten years after coming out of service that the post-traumatic stress hits, which is mm. kind of what you're describing, isn't it? And then maybe not related to the being in the military. It's just, oh, he's just not got his act together and look at him now and or her, as the case may be, because we do have um, women who were very prominent in the military, of course. Let's not forget that.
1: Yeah. No, agreed. But why... Why is that not documented? Why why are they not being documented for being veterans?
0: Yeah, well, I'm sure there are there is, and perhaps I'm I'm not actually looking in the right places, and it's something that you know the charities would have all that data, but it's you know having done a preliminary look, I wasn't able to put my hands on on that data as easily as I was the data on death rates from suicide inside. So there seems to be a disconnect in in perception or availability of that data. I'm not saying the data isn't there. I didn't find it. But perhaps if I'd done a more detailed search, I probably could have found it.
1: Another point is, you know, there's guys who are being discharged from the military for mental health issues mm-hmm. when actually their strong, strongest coping mechanism may be the people around them who understand them the most. Mm. So you is is extracting them from an environment where they actually are coping into an environment where nobody understands what they're going through.
0: That's an interesting perspective. Yeah, because, you know, you've had friends who've got discharged for physical reasons, knee injuries and and whatnot. But, you know, if if the best environment and the best cure is to stay in that environment, that needs to be looked at, doesn't it? That's a very interesting thought. Mm, Interesting.
1: I I agree that maybe they may not be fully operational, um, you know, for... Tours of Afghanistan or so, which are, you know, t- sorry, tours of, of any operational duty may not be feasible to them, but surely there's, there's jobs within the military that they would be able to do to keep them in and, uh, and keep even keep an eye on them, keep, you know, have that support group around them.
0: Mm, I think that's really interesting. But that wasn't your path and, and you sort of made an, an elective decision that you were going to come out and do other things with your life. Because the very strong thread I'm hearing through this discussion is, you know, family meant everything to you. The sense of community was why you went in. It's actually ironically why you came out. So you could provide for your mum and your family. And when you came out, then you weren't prepared And you didn't have that skills, although you've you've drawn from what you've learned in the military and also that those innate skills you had to get you through it. So you basically overcame the dark days yourself without not much help. And and over the last five years managed to then get work. Did you? Was there a trigger? Was there somebody who helped you? Was there a friend in particular who put their arm around you and said, come on now, I'm going to give you a leg up? Or how did your journey happen?
1: We probably deserve a mention. That's for sure. One in particular is uh, the the guy who who employed me when I left. Um, I had known him for a couple of years before before I left the military, and uh, he offered me a, a, an opportunity to leave because he knew that I wanted to leave.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And he he was fantastic. You know, he he sort of he could see that I I was so naive to the outside world, and uh, and and because I knew him quite well anyway it was a it was a a good working relationship it wasn't it wasn't just a it wasn't just a work relationship it was a friendship as well and and he's he's really sort of taken me under his wing and shown me about business and uh, getting into property and and how to make your money work for you and and all these things that i'd never even thought twice about and actually going through when i went through a really dark time he he noticed it. He was. It was. And and lucky enough, he said, sent me away to a to a retreat to to get my head in the right place. And it and it really worked. And and I I really owe him a lot to be in the position I am now. Uh, because without a doubt, uh, if I if he wasn't around, I, I I don't know where I would be.
0: Amazing friend father figure mentor you were lucky but you 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 made your own luck because you probably recognized you know the innate qualities that you had um and that how you were going to be able to be mentored because some people are not open to it but you were were actually open to that and and maybe it's because you didn't have a father figure and and he stepped into that role do you think maybe that
1: yeah i would i would say he's definitely definitely uh definitely been an, an influential person in my life um and still still to this day is uh you know i'm, I'm always learning from him and i I, don't, I think somebody who who's who knows that much about business and you never stop learning from them as long as you listen and are willing to, somebody like that is is invaluable
0: Well, I think you were lucky. I happen to know who you're talking about because he's also, you know, helped us with Iona and he's helped so many people achieve their dreams. So I think, you know, there is an element of luck in being in the right place at the right time, but also you've got to spot the opportunities and be willing to take those which is what you did and now as you've mentioned you're in a a much better position you know you've you've consolidated um your bases you've got the income to survive and now it's kind of about thriving isn't it you know you, you have those skills you've made the right moves you've been lucky in your connections and now you know it's the next phase and you're you started some things like investing in nfts do you want to tell us a bit i mean most people wouldn't even know what nfts are but tell us in in one sentence what you're doing you know with your nfts for instance because i think this is really inspirational it's so far thinking for somebody who didn't do much before going into the marines now suddenly you're investing in an nft company non-fungible tokens right
1: yeah i'm, I'm i mean i have always sort of looking for opportunity and uh Maybe five, six years ago, it was cryptocurrency, and and now it's moved into sort of NFTs. and And, and don't get me wrong, I have a lot to learn, but uh, without a doubt, this future. And if you, you know, to make money, you, you need to get in there early. And I feel like we're definitely, definitely on the right path. There's a couple of projects that we're currently involved in, uh, which uh one is very, very early days and it's uh, and it's and it's doing very, very well. So uh, and there's a great team there. Uh, and, and that's the thing, you know, you, you need to surround yourself with the right people. Uh, and that is definitely a group of, of people who are who are made for that job, definitely. Mm
0: Yes. No, the world of digital art, I think, is fascinating. But, you know, I don't want you to paint yourself or me to allow you paint yourself as somebody who's come out of the Marines because they want to make loads of money. Yes, you need, you know, money to survive and thrive. But presumably you will learn from this amazing mentor and individual that you want to give back. And and you have because you've already told me loads of stories about working with animals in particular i i just want to hear about your plans for the future and, and how you are going to give back some of your experience to help other people or animals or
1: it sort of started with um i went through some therapy which anyone who who is uh, dubious about therapy i would recommend it to anyone whether you're whether you think you're Unfixable or or whatever. It has been a revelation to me to to actually put yourself out there and be vulnerable and and be honest with yourself. I was able to understand what I was feeling and why I was feeling that way, and and therapy really helped me get through that. So I just want to say, if anyone if anyone is struggling, therapy is not a not a weak thing to do. It is it is it is probably the strongest thing you could ever do. But um, that started with with the therapy, and and the therapist actually said, "You can either pay me, or you can pay it forward by doing something good." Um, so I I went off and I worked with an animal sanctuary and helped there, and and actually did some fundraising, which which was very very successful, thanks to uh, certain people. <laughs> uh, yeah, we raised quite a lot of money, and it's the changed the whole the whole charity really that is um it, it was very heartwarming and um and yeah I'd, I'd i'd love to move forward um and and actually give something myself to 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 the animal sort of world maybe i should say
0: yeah i think that's good and i think people who love animals and are close to animals are always often, in my experience, very kind because animals are even more vulnerable than us. So, you know, we're seeing a softer side here, Ash, rather than just the Royal Marine's Commando, <laughs> which is good. And um, I was telling my um, youngest daughter tonight I was going to be interviewing you and I always ask her, what questions should I ask? And she said to me, I think you should ask him if you had a time machine what would he do or what would he change so I've got to ask you this question if you' had a time machine what would you change about the last 10 years 20 years of your life
1: well some people would probably think that I would want to go back and and not go to Afghanistan or but the, the, that whole experience so the, that wasn't a job it was a it was just a life-changing experience and, and it built me as a person and I and I don't regret any of that maybe one thing my stepfather passed away a couple of years ago and maybe I wish I could go back and be a bit more present with him and, and with my mum and as much as I love my mom and I loved him I don't think I was there enough and this is one thing but what life has made me realise is it's not all about the money and it's not you know about what car you drive and it really is about giving being present for the people in your life that you care about because if, at some point that will all end. Yeah. And look back and say I did enough, or will you look back and say I wish I'd have been there more often? So uh, when when my stepfather passed, away, I really thought I wish I'd have seen him more often. So yeah, that's probably one thing that I would like to go back and change.
0: But I think you know you're lucky that your mum's still alive and she's healthy and you know, you have a good relationship with her. So in some ways you can be sure that you have no regrets there, right?
1: It's definitely made me and her uh, become closer because obviously that, you know, his, his passing has made me realise this and, and obviously he's not there now and and I feel like I've got to be there more, but uh, it isn't a burden for me. It's, 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 it's actually just made, made me and her so much closer and, it's a blessing in disguise,
0: you know. It's lovely to hear you say that. And I guess the counter question to, you know, having regret is, you know, and we're coming to the end of this interview now, is, is having a dream. And, you know, if I said to you, look, you've got three wishes, what would you, you know, you might have no wish. You might be just happy just as you are. But, you know, if you could have anything you wanted and you had three wishes, what would they be? (laughs) <laughs> I always ask the hard questions last, right? <laughs> uh,
1: I mean, uh, uh, one is obviously to, to look at... I know I say it's not about money, but maybe uh, maybe just to, just to be able to look after the people that I care about.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: another, to spend enough time with the people that I love. Um, you know, I've got two two close friends who are in the Marines who 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 work with me now as well and and they've just had uh, one's had a little girl, one boy one's my goddaughter so I, one is enough time with all of them. Uh, and then I think thirdly is, is probably just uh, eventually have a family of my own. I'm, I'm I de- I definitely it's something that I've neglected so far to my own peril I think and uh, I think yeah I, I definitely would love to have a, a family of my own you know being surrounded by by them and how happy they are has definitely uh definitely made me open my eyes a little bit mm,
0: well that will come and, and I think sometimes you know timing is everything in life and you have to be in the right place emotionally physically men- mentally spiritually and then all the stars collide to the perfect outcome so you have all that to look forward to
1: Yeah. Yeah, I I'll, I'll definitely there's there's still work I need to do on myself, but I'm, I'm I'm definitely getting there. I'm, I'm I'm in a much better place than I was. Uh, the past couple of years have been really good for for me, just recognizing where I am emotionally, and uh, you know, and and moving forward.
0: Mm. Well, I think, Ash, you're an amazing ambassador for somebody who has not just survived, but has thrived and has done the Royal Marines huge pride, both inside and outside a life of service. And I'm extremely grateful for you sharing your story and going into it in such deep and, and personal level. And I'm hoping that this will really help other people who listen To learn about the art of survival, and maybe we can do more work um, together to package up um, information that can be given in that transition point to help people in their journey, so they don't have to go through the dark times that you did, or where you know they can be helped, and and give that help in conjunction with the amazing charities and the incredible institution of the Royal Marines. So, thank you so much for joining me this evening.
1: You're welcome, honestly, and uh, thank you for having me.
0: And thank you um, for all my listeners for tuning in. And I really hope you enjoyed that. And we will put links to the charities for the animal rescue shelter that Ash has been involved with and the Royal Marines Charity, if anybody would like to make a donation. It's an important cause. You've got people who basically sacrifice their life for the rest of us who sit at home. So I hope you enjoy that. And if you want to give any feedback, please drop us a line on hello at com or please um, leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks and bye for now.